Hey everyone, Joe Senna here. Before we start this week's Encore broadcast of the Jill Sholin interview from a couple of months ago, just wanted to remind you while we're on hiatus that I also own a streaming horror channel called The Monster Channel. It's been around since 2010. We're celebrating our 13th anniversary scary, not sorry, uh, this year. And um, part of the celebration is our first official film festival. So if you're a young filmmaker, or if you're an old filmmaker, or if you're a dead filmmaker, and you have a short, a feature, animation, anything in the genre, please visit www.filmfreeway.com slash Monster Channel Film Festival. I'm not going to spell it. If you're listening to us, you're smart enough to figure it out. Filmfreeway.com slash Monster Channel Film Festival. Uh, two deadlines coming up. Uh, July 1st is our next deadline, and then the drop dead deadline is on August 21st. So again, that's the Monster Channel Film Festival at filmfreeway.com slash Monster Channel Film Festival. And thanks so much for being a listener. Uh, thanks so much for being a viewer. And um, here comes uh, this week's show. This week on the Stabby Road Podcast. Do you know, did any of you ever see the movie Popcorn that I did? Yes. yes. Pop. Well, Jill, I've seen girl. every movie of yours. I, I might as well just confess to that right now. It's he literally has a billionaire's boy boys club T shirt on right now. <laughs> How he got but one, I, I don't know. I can't, no, no. Yeah. The Stabby Road podcast is intended for mature audiences. So why are you listening? This is the Stabby Road podcast. Well, hello, everybody. It is uh, the Stabby Road Podcast, another great episode. I am joined here. I'm Rob Graydon, joined here with, on my left, we are never going to get this right, by the way. <laughs> as much as I try, it's just going to screw it up. So I'm just going to do it my own way. So on my <laughs> left is, uh, is actress extraordinaire, Sonia Hartford, and Joe extraordinaire. <laughs> I need a nap. This is we are just started out the gate with our first episode. Exactly, All right. we have I'm three more of these to do today. Yes. So, and of course, across from now, we we have our super tech Josh. Hello, yay! Stabby Road, of course, is a proud sponsor of Stabby Road. And <laughs> just don't know. We just don't know it yet. <laughs> Oh, God, it's going to be another punchy episode. <laughs> Three different generations discussing horror through the various lenses of films of their respective eras. Right. Thank More you. or less. You're right. Thank you. Sonia's representing... Millennials. I'm representing all the really old people. And I'm Gen X. Right. Or, or, this is and a RT. fucking mess already. <laughs> I know. And if this is your first episode with us, go back yes. and watch some more. Watch one where we're they're more They're just going to tune in for the guest anyway. That's so true. They're just going to fast true. forward through all this crap. So oh. our theme for the next three films are Creepy Parents. And uh, we are going to be starting Creepy Parents with... Technically, we start? we're starting with Carrie, which yeah, we did a week ago, even though we haven't shot it yet. That's correct. Right. All right. We're fucking with the space-time continuum. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, okay. I'm sure it's a great episode. Yes, I'm going to cut the shit out of this. Really? We're, we're not cutting the most entertaining second. stuff. There's, there's so much stuff I'm going to be cutting uh, out of this. Oh, no. You better not cut out Fuck Me in the Ass. That was horrible. <laughs> yeah, actually, that should be a, that should be a, a, a needle drop. Boom. Yes. Open. From now on. Yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a sound bite from us. Just, yeah. <laughs> this week, however, we are talking about the great horror film of the 80s 
The Stepfather. And The Stepfather stars Terry O'Quinn, Jill Sholin, Shelley Hack, and of course directed by Jerry Joseph Rubin. Jerry Joseph. Jerry Joseph <laughs> Rubin uh, from 1987. <clears throat> it is essentially, I'm just going to give a brief overview, yeah. overview of this. It is essentially, for lack of a better term, a serial killer who is uh, constantly changing his identity and looking for the perfect family to integrate himself into. And when things go wrong, he kills them and moves on to another family. I'm going to open the floors up now for us to start talking about it. And let's start with let's start with Joe this oh, time. Oh God! Oh, I'm back to school. It's like anyone knows the answer, Mister Senna. What? I'm happy to start if you want, if you need another minute. Or, uh, yeah. I need an hour, so I might as well just start talking. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, this film was cool. I was surprised. I, I had never seen this film before, so I was oh, surprised really? at how seriously all involved took the material. Yeah. I was impressed with how good the script was. Mm -hmm. uh, the performances go without saying. Mm. I thought it was a great condemnation of the uh, surge of conservatism during the rise of the Reagan era and the uh, the pathological desire to return to the nuclear family mm -hmm. at any cost. Mm -hmm. Thank God those days are gone. <laughs> right. <laughs> to anyone living in Florida, we have routes that we that you can take to come up here. Uh, <laughs> if you need to Blink escape. Blink twice if you need help. Right. Uh, two words. Jill Sholin. Yeah. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> She's pretty. She's pretty. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I was, I expected to be gorier, mm. because uh, again, not having seen it, I kind of mixed it in with that whole era of films. And by the time it was done, it was eighty seven, eighty eight. Yeah. So uh, it was. It, was 80, it came out in eighty seven. Came out in eighty seven. Yeah. Okay, so it was probably conceived and shot between eighty five, eighty six. Okay, exactly. That's exactly. I was gonna say yeah. if it, if it was like kind of like the twilight of the eighties genre, they probably had to up the gore. Mm. Love the fact that it opens oh, yeah. with him just finishing up his last family, so you know right away. Mm -hmm. You know right away what his mm -hmm. mo is. He's like, okay, I fucked this one up. Gonna try the next one, and that builds the tension throughout the whole thing without him having to overact. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I've, I've, Terry O'Quinn's a good actor, but I have seen him digest some scenery in some, uh, in some, uh, in some work, okay. and I kind of expected this to be uh, something like that. So that's that's my first take on the film. Okay. Which <laughs> that, that implies there is another take, or no? Are you are you done? No, I'm done for now. Oh, okay. what, I'm not done for the rest of the day. I can. I'll go. I'll, I'll go. <laughs> I was like, I was waiting for you to be like, and my second take. I'll go. I'll go trim my beard and get in my suit. So uh, when Jill Sholin shows up, um, you know, <laughs> you I look, look a little pretty. bit better than than I do right now. Spoiler alert. Okay. <laughs> but this is why they're tuning in, Rob. We're gonna have it in the ads. It's gonna they say, know. Jill Sholin interview. <laughs> they know. Okay. okay. They know she's coming. All right, Sonia. Um, I have been a fan of this one for a while. It mm -hmm. was one of the gems that I stumbled upon in my COVID lockdown, kind of shuffling through Prime and just watching 80s horror. That was like kind of what I did during COVID. Oh, so it's a recent thing for you? Because you said it was a comfort film. It is. It's so a... it's that recent <laughs> and it's a comfort film. 2020 was three years ago. Ugh. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, but yeah, since then it has become a comfort. I just watched it a lot because I really liked it. And now it's one of those background horror movies that I put on when I'm just like, all right, let's get yeah. some shit done. Let's see. Terry O'Quinn, fuck <clears> it up. <throat> it, it's a, one of those, you know, I went into it, I think, expecting 
sort of a C, D list, basic horror slasher from the 80s, which are, I love, they're so much fun. But I was quite taken with the script and how well done it was. It's not just a good horror movie, it's a good movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a well that's... done movie, period, full stop. And I think that's maybe part of why I keep revisiting it. It's just, it's, it's very well done. The acting's incredible. He's, and like you were saying, You've seen him choose some scenery. I think what makes him so terrifying in these films is how restrained yeah. he Underplayed, is. yeah. It Like, if he had gone bigger with it, it wouldn't have been as effective. But he is just so restrained, aside from those moments where, like, he has a little temper tantrum to himself. Like, he, it's, you just feel... And those are believable. Yes. Yeah. It's like he was in... It's like you, you knew that he was holding it in, yes. and it all came out when he was in his workshop. So they don't seem so exaggerated because you've been watching him, like, contain it yeah. the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Jill is obviously Jill. amazing. She's, she's a such a great character, too, her her character. She's, you know, not, a, you're not like a very typical final girl, especially for the 80s. She's very intelligent. She's driven. She's cunning. She's... Just, she's a very, very strong character. She's, you know, dealing with some shit. Obviously, we don't know how her father died, right? I don't think we ever get into that. No, I don't, I don't think, think they so. give any yeah, detail. They just, they just know it's they're, they're relatively fresh off. Yeah, off this death. You yeah. went out for a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, never came back. <laughs> yes, but you know, like so she's okay. So she's and actually the fact that she's in kind of grief counseling after was pretty progressive for the time. Yes, as well for it was Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That does help. But still, progressive. And she's acting out in school. But, like, overall, she's, you know, she's coping with it pretty fucking well, all things considered. She's just a very strong female character, and I think she's pretty badass in that regard. But it's just, it's such a creepy concept, too, like, the and how calculating he is and how intelligent he is. Yeah. And how he finally kind of meets his match in, in this particular stepdaughter. You know, going within only a certain amount of miles... A day to find a new town and a new identity so that he can pretend he's still at work with family A while he sits up family B. Yeah. It's That's the part that actually I found most disturbing really? is when he started setting up the next family. And but he's still because, with them. Yes, yeah. because you know that in his mind he was like, Okay, this didn't work. And he's already and planning. From the first scene you knew what he was capable exactly. of. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, that opening sequence is just chef's yeah. kiss. Like also, excellent use of a shower scene, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Like, not gratuitous nudity. And again, it's a man, and it's. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. God forbid it's. You know, you see a naked man, yeah. but like it's it's necessary. Got, got see a little, you, you saw a little step peen. You did. Yeah. You see some dick. Yeah. It's true. You see some side peen. Yeah. It's, yeah. And the world would be a better place with more man, but I'll just say it. It's just, <laughs> well, that helped balance out I the will fact die that, on that hill. But that, not just any butt. That step butt. Step butt. Oh, I have enough step butt in my industry. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a, you know, we're talking about the stepfather, and it is not something I found on Pornhub. That's right. So. Uh, Before we do talk, get to Jill, let's talk about a couple of things. Yes. You know, because we have Jill here. Let's talk about Terry O'Quinn. Yes, for a let's. Bit. And I love that whole, I mean, he really does, and we spoke about this earlier, how, how much he really underplays mm -hmm. so much of the, the, which makes him so much, much scarier yeah. than 
if he were doing it over the top or if he was... Even with know, like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, it wouldn't have exactly. worked. Exactly. Yeah. And I think so much of, you know, because the film didn't do well at the box office and for two basic reasons, mm. in my opinion. One, it came out at a time when there was the Freddy Kruegers and the Friday 13th movies and everything in between, Terror Train, Prom Night, oh, every, yeah. you know, anything. And this is a little bit more of a mature approach to these yeah. things. Yes. But there's not a lot of gore and there's really... What two kills? Maybe three kills. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was a know? family. It was a solid family melodrama. It was, it was yeah. way more that, about. Yeah. It was about a story. It yeah. was the story. The story. It was about something other and than just. It was a just, slow burn. Yes. Of like, exactly. Building tension. It, well, yeah. It wasn't a slasher, and that's probably what people wanted to see at that point. Yeah, and yeah. and people didn't want to see. And at the time, nobody was really a big name. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even Shelley Hack, who I. Let me let me say about Shelley. Yeah, what do we know her from? We know she her from was... Charlie's Angels. Uh, when, oh, like when, the when, season when, right before they canceled it, right? She when was... Farrah Fawcett left, That's right. they replaced her with Tanya Roberts. Right. When Tanya Roberts left, she uh, got replaced by Shelley Hack. So, right. she is not the shemp of the <laughs> Charlie's Angels. She's <laughs> literally the Curly Joe the curly Dorita, Joe Dorita. Yeah, of okay. Charlie's Aww. Angels. Okay. And for anybody younger than 30... <laughs> Yeah, just look at those words. Three Stooges yes, references. Yes, Shelly Hack is the Curly Joe Dorita of Charlie's <laughs> Angels. For some reason, I understand what all of those words mean. Yes, well, exactly. I mean, you're, well, you're, you're in the dead. same house with this yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But she was Osmosis. having a decent bit of a comeback because also um, shortly before that or shortly after, I forget when the movie came out, she also was in uh, Martin Scorsese's uh, stand-up comedy movie, which I can't think of right King now. King of Comedy. King of Comedy. Okay. She had a nice, decent role. So she was actually on a little bit of an incline coming, you know, af- having left uh, Charlie's Angels. I, okay. You know, and, and I think she had done a, a bunch of television things like that, too. Uh, King of Comedy was about five years before. Five years before. Okay. Yeah. So she was, yeah. So she was on a bit of a ride. Because oh, she had done some things her, before. This was a slide down then. Yeah. After. So <laughs> yeah. Scorsese and then the Prob- stepfather. Probably because the movie didn't do so well at the yeah. box office. Yeah. It you was know, a dark um, film. <clears throat> But yeah, and but but, but I think for those two reasons, I think film. you know, it it wasn't marketed for anyone in particular. Yeah, and there were no big names to go see in this film. Mm-hmm. Right. So it just got lost in a sea of the you other know, and horror. Yeah, <clears throat> it was the kind of film that really ultimately found itself later with home video. Yeah. And cable and things like that, when people started going, oh, this is this is actually a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. It had like a thousand sequels, didn't it? Wasn't it like it had three, three if I'm correct. Okay. The two has film. Terry. Two has Terry. Which is mm-hmm. actually, it's pretty decent. I yes. enjoy two. And spoiler alert for anyone who's seen this, somehow he survives. Yes, the end of this <laughs> Yes, and goes to like a mental institute and ends up starting all over again mm-hmm. somehow. It, it works. It's yeah. enough of it. The third one is a real fucking stretch yeah. because they couldn't even get Terry O'Quinn. No, yeah. And, so they and had then, him go yeah. through like multiple plastic surgeries to somehow change his face. Yes, exactly. Oh, I exactly. See. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that would make sense given that by now he's... He's very recognizable. Yes. Yeah. So it's not totally out of left field. Right. Yeah. And then there was a remake actually. In, With the guy uh, from Nip Tuck. Yeah, oh. that dude. Yeah. I haven't watched that one. Has anybody watched that one? I have not. I, I have n- I've had no desire because same, I, I love because the I first love this one, one so much. I don't even know who the dude from Nip Tuck is. I his name is... Uh, uh, you'd uh, recognize him if you saw his him. His name is probably one of those guys. Yeah, Super like... Deck. Dylan Walsh. Thank you. Dylan Walsh. Dylan Penn, Badgley's in, Penn Badgley and Amanda Hurd are in this movie. Yeah, that's oh, right. Wow. That, yeah. Not Amanda Hurd. Amber Hurd. Amber Hurd, yes. Yeah. Oh. Right. Hey, when did that one come out? 2010? 20, yeah. 2009. Ooh. Yeah, because there's that great scene where Stepfather wakes up and there's a big pile of poop in his bed. 
classic well, scene. Who, yeah. had, classic who scene. had three minutes into the Amber, Amber Heard thing for the for Rob to make a poop joke? Thank you, folks. It was, Good night, everybody. Thanks. Jill Sheldon, oh, ladies and gentlemen, going to be on the show a little later. <laughs> Poor Jill. This is going to kill up. us from, for having any guests uh, ever afterwards, because Jill's just going to send the word out. No, Because she's she so connected, and she's going to say... They roped me into doing this interview first. They pretend that it happened later on in the episode. Then they no. talk about porn and shit. No, she doesn't strike me as yeah. that type. I will say, though, this, this, the interview was going to take a, a, I'm a direct I'm turn very after this. sharp turn, yes. Yeah, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be worth listening to. It's, it's beautiful. That's why we're intense. getting all the stupidity out of the yeah, way. Exactly. We're getting because... all the... All the, all the our our normal high school jokes right, out of the way. When Jill comes on, uh, uh, soon, we are, we when we start our, our interview behavior. with her, yeah. um, I'm sure it's going to be uh, mature and and very very deep. And it was, yes, it truly. will be. I mean, yes. we we all talked about it afterwards for the rest of the day. How, yeah, like genuinely, I don't want to say life changing, but yeah. it was it was one of those days I will remember forever. It, it was, was a perspective altering. It, it really was. I honest. didn't hear the she, conversation, uh, and I'm. Dying Aww. to hear it. Oh, I'm well, dying. You will. I cannot wait to hear it. Yeah. She was... said, "Is Josh in the room? Good. Okay, we could talk now." Yeah. yeah. Well, I was, and we so... just trashed you for literally three hours. <laughs> Due to the t for technical reasons, I couldn't hear them, but I was in the room. Yes. So yeah. I was here the whole time. I heard their half of the conversation, and you were behind. And he, and he was the screen, he was so you couldn't see the actual. Like, yeah. 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 I, I fell asleep the whole time. Well, yeah. I was I was sick as a dog. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was just a big mess for you that day. But yeah, you need to technically and physically and yeah, yeah. One of the most effective scenes in the film for me, mm -hmm. he said, abruptly turning back onto Stanley <laughs> yes. Rose. No, please. The sequence between um, Terry and uh, the cop when he's selling him the house or trying to mm. pretend oh, to be selling oh, him the house. The therapist. The therapist. That, the yeah. therapist, right. That was, therapist. I don't know why I right. said cop. It just felt, you know what it is? It felt like the Martin Balsam moment. <clears throat> yes. You know, I it had that, that kind yeah. of, that kind mm -hmm. of. So, um, yes, the therapist. Um that freaked me out because I, I knew that this guy did not have the chops to pull off, you know, if, playing a mental chess game with, yeah. the, with, yeah. with Hannibal Lecter. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You know, and then he kills him brutally. Oh, yeah. He hits you him know? with like a two by four, I think? Yeah. yeah. And the guy, he's, he survives the first swing mm -hmm. and you hear him like grunt or beg for his life or something. Yeah. And, and then he does it again. Yeah. And, um, well, because also what happens is too is... I guess he got his head shrunk. There, there, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> there are two things that are set up, and and this goes back to the old uh, Hitchcock adage. You know, when Hitchcock talks about if you really you know really want to build suspense, show the bomb ahead of time, mm. and that's what they do in in terms of the opening scene. Mm -hmm. Character wise, you know who he is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know yeah. he's capable and of. He's you know he's capable of physically there, but what does when, it take to when, get him? But when Jill Sholin's character Stephanie requests to get a picture from the newspaper mm -hmm. you know and she's like okay it's got to be my stepdad it's be. and and he manages to get it ahead of time <clears throat> yeah he and happens to be places the and, picture yeah. you realize how cunning he is yeah. on top of how brutal he is right he's so equally he, as intelligent as he is exactly brutal. so 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 you realize most that most of us psychotics are Yes, but so by the time you get to the 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 analyst, the 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 uh, Stephanie's analyst getting to the house, trying you're to buy like, the house, you realize there's oh, no way out for him. You're yeah, doomed. You're yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's and you're just dreading when it's going to happen, yes. not if. Right. You and don't that think moment he, where he yeah. flips up with the like, oh, my wife gets yeah. on yes. me for that. All. You're uh, like, oh, you knew right you away that was the end of it. Yeah. that was it. And it yeah. was such an easy one too. And I was and it was a great just run, just shut up and run. Yeah, and a great underplayed moment by by. 
mm-hmm. Terry O'Quinn, yeah. because it's just a very subtle look in his face. Yes, you yep. see, it. you see the yeah. fear kind of come over that initial recognition yes. of like shit. Yes, and it's it, it is so subtle. It's yeah, he's he really is absolutely incredible. Was it this. was it like an oh goodness I think I'm caught or was it more like a oh. Okay. Yeah, the I'm first on one to catch That's, on to yeah, me. Yeah. I'm going to. Yeah. Uh, he, he doesn't know. Yeah, he doesn't know how much the therapist knows, but he know he's like. But he, he knows, knows that he's like, knows that like there's he's a threat there. He's yeah. gotta go. Exactly. Yeah. Like you, somehow you peripherally know I'm not who I say. Right. I am. That's what I caught yeah. from his yeah. reaction. It was like ah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. Yeah. I want to briefly before we go, mm-hmm. we, we we talk to Jill. I want to talk about the birdhouse. And. Okay. We've reached the point they were just ignoring me. Okay, no, I, it, <laughs> two generations of horror fans. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a walk down Stabby Road. Road. That order came from his wife. <laughs> oh my god. I'd... But I want to talk about the birdhouse, which is an interesting bit of, uh, you know, something you don't see in like a slasher film or this or that. You know, how, at it's first very... you're wondering, like, how, why is he so obsessed with this? It's so symbolic. Birdhouse. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, you're right. It's it's being held so, it's, mm. his standard of family is literally being held high yep. in the thing, which is what I loved at the end. The first thing that they destroy is the birdhouse. Bird yep, yep. You know, and and it's just a great bit of texture that that you wouldn't normally see in, in what you come to expect in this type of film. Absolutely, yeah. I love the symbolism. And I it. loved it. Loved every minute of that. Did, and, is it, do you think that, the fact that they named her Stephanie, Stephanie, eh. as in stepfather, that she's step, there's that a step thing there. Is it reaching? I would say it's reaching, but her name is spelled with an F. Oh. Ah, oh, fuck me. It's, yeah, it's and only because I, look, I, I had to look that up just uh, just for my notes. I'm just trying okay. to outfilm school you for a second. <laughs> see where that, you're like, well, you know, Hitchcock always said you have to show the bomb first. <laughs> well, she is Stephanie Maine. This is what they taught me at uh, film school. Yeah, she is Stephanie Maine. So and the first rule of film school character. is name so your character the, the title the, of the, the movie. Name, <laughs> the family name is Maine? Yes. Oh, I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, so she's the main character. There you go. Oh, uh, okay. okay. See? So, yes. okay. All right, well, touche. Yes. I uh, touche. Yes, she was originally. Uh, her name was originally stepdaughter Maine, and uh, <laughs> they thought that was a little too on the nose. a little too on the nose, and, and just too long to say, really. <laughs> oh you know God. what I mean? Kids are gonna love it. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> just a little too ahead of the curve on that. Exactly. One. Stepdaughter Maine. <laughs> Which, if you type that into Pornhub, <laughs> oh um, my God! Have fun. Don't don't type that into Pornhub. Or do it's pretty harmless, yeah. really. It's, it's, yeah. it, honestly, it, but of all the things you could type in there, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's do that. Let's, well, let's. I better go trim my beard and get into my suit for this one. Because <laughs> you want to look will. pretty That's, for Jill. You, you want to look pretty for Jill. So here we go. Here she is for a stepfather. Let's welcome everyone, Jill Sheldon. Thank you again. Hello again. Hi. So great to have you. It feels like it was just uh, an hour ago that we are, you were on the show. Doesn't it? I know. God, the magic the ma- of, yes. of radio. Yes. <laughs> Ra- radio. This is why Joe's the boomer. Radio. <laughs> the wireless. <laughs> exactly. We're, we'll, we'll be doing the show in Morse code. That's, that's, for that's a step up from the smoke yes. signals I've been exactly. using. <laughs> you went from smoke signals... To semaphore, to Morse code, and now we're actually on the radio. Oh, my God. So, Jill, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're here talking about 
the category is creepy parents, and one of the creepiest of all parents in any horror film has got to be Terry O'Quinn's stepfather. Terrifying. And uh, we we couldn't pass that up, you know, when uh, when that came up, and we were just so glad that you were here to talk uh, here to talk about stepfather with us. I'm sure there's a difference between Robert Englund and Terry O'Quinn's approaches to acting, and and their way of getting to where they have to get to as antagonists, let's say, for lack of a better word. What was your experiences with the two of them as actors? And and and, and I will say, before I even say anything, I, I think one of the great things, too, about you is that your ability to really go toe-to-toe with these people who are, at the time, relatively, well, not so much Terry, but Robert, established. Mm-hmm. You know, and at this point in time, you, you know, you weren't, this is before Phantom. So it, you you were just sort of starting out at the time, but still really being able to hold court with with Terry mm-hmm. to the point where essentially you, you're you're second build because you are the person who is uh, the framework of the story, driving the story. It's from your point of view, mm-hmm. which is great. So I'd love to hear about your experiences with Terry, and if there were any particularly large differences with either one of their processes. Okay, well, first, to uh, just jump in with everything, like a million thoughts came <laughs> sure. Just to give a little bit of background for the reference of that conversation. And, you know, um, like I usually do in life, I might get a little something wrong. It was a long time ago. I did not a, wasn't a producer in the film, didn't own the film. <laughs> what I've heard, so what I'm relaying, it's like telephone, you know, even though I starred in it, it's always still telephone because you never know. But I do know that they had offers out for the stepfather. I had read for it a couple of times for Stephanie in LA and I got the part and I was thrilled. I knew they did not have a mother and I knew that they did not have a stepfather. I was the first one cast. Wow. Joe told me the reason they cast my part first, because it, it there was a trip. And what I mean by a trip is not, woo, trippy. <laughs> oh, I'm disappointed. <laughs> it was a stumble, I think, in that they, and it was, you know, a blessing, that trip. is It usually is the accidents that happen in life. You just make the lemonade out of the lemons. Mm-hmm. But they cast me thinking I would be the hard one to cast. My role would be the difficult role to cast. And so I got the part. And a few weeks later, my mom and I flew up to Vancouver. And I was probably there at least a week, probably, probably at least two weeks before we actually started. They had no stepfather. Wow. They had one to play my mother. Oh my gosh. They offers out. I don't know if it's true. I heard at one point it was Jeff Bridges who was going to play it. Don't know if it's true. I'm just saying the telephone, what I heard, and I heard that he didn't want to do it. His reps didn't feel that he should play a role that would go down that route. Mm-hmm. Although later in his movie career, not m- many years later, he did a couple of roles where, you know, he was the bad guy. I can't sure. remember the one. Arling- the Arlington desert. Road is one for sure. Yeah, he yeah. did a couple of roles that were, you know, he liked quirky roles. I mean, I've never met him or talked to him, but 
he really seems to delve into those kind of quirky roles. I do think as fabulous as Terry is, and he is, that Jeff Bridges also would have done the role. It was like if there's anyone I could think that would do it, it would be him, mm -hmm. you know. Plus, he can, knows how to delve into that quirkiness. But anyway, there were few people that they had offers out to all names, by the way, and all names for the mother, re, like real names, mm -hmm. you know, much bigger names. And they couldn't secure anyone. Wow. And they threw out three lesser known actors. Because it's funny when you said Terry being established, Terry was established in the industry, but he wasn't established as a movie. To the, yeah. I mean, even after Stepfather and getting all kinds of awards or being nominated, he still wasn't. It really was lost, I think. Yeah. That yeah. Map in that real public sense. And um, oh, this is my opinion, just, you know, it's not about right or wrong, it's just <laughs> right. my, but so he was unknown. But what I can tell you is that I read with three actors. And when, after I read with three, and you know, the way I always approach my acting was, well, let's see what happens. Let's go, wanna dance? <laughs> you know, that when you grab someone's hand, hey, let's dance. You know, and that's what it was. Okay, I'll dance with this one. I'll dance with that one. I'll dance with this one. And so Joe Rubin and Jay Benson, the producer of the film, asked me after I read with all three of them, well, was there one that stood out to you? And I said, well, yeah. And there was no comparison, that guy. I mean, I was very young. Right. You know, I was like, a teenager, even though I wasn't a teenager. I'm like, oh, yeah, I really like that Terry guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> Funnest. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I was, you know, and it was like that. It was, it was a fun experience to act with him because I remember when we read together, and it was his audition. I already had the part. They flew him in, and so when I read with him, there was chemistry. Wow. You know, it was just chemistry, and it was like. You you're you know what the lines are, but you're not saying them in any kind of predictable manner. You're just having a conversation with someone because there's so much chemistry. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'll never forget I had such enjoyment working with him. And even though we never spent time, you know, his family was there, they put him up in a house, you know, and although I never talked talked to him like you know, got close to him or anything, the way you do a lot sometimes on a film with sure. someone, a couple people you normally do. We never have that, which I think was really good for the film. Mm. Um, not that it wouldn't have been good the other way, but that, you know, I remember when I later saw it in the theater and I'm like, I knew he was good because I worked with him, but I was like, Holy fuck! He's really <laughs> gone. <laughs> <laughs> knock me out. We got her to say you the know, F word. That's great. <laughs> oh, was I was I not allowed? No, to say please, we, no. no, please. He's being cheeky. Fuck no. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're actually the ones right now who are uh, on our best behavior. Yeah. So two of yeah. us anyway. Yeah. If you listen to the show, you'll know that <laughs> that's, that is not an issue. No. Yeah. Please, there are so six that, more. There are six more deadly words that you you could say. So, 
So, Joe, I can't see you. Can I see you? So, oh, where, where am I? So anyway, um, so... I told you she liked me. <laughs> it was just fantastic, you know, that part of it. But the other wonderful thing about, you know, Robert I became friends with. And I still, even though I don't see him very much, you know, sometimes I might see him twice in a year. Other times I won't see him for seven years, wow, you know. Right. But at heart, I consider him a friend and his wife, Nancy. And we had a wonderful time together as friends making the movie and then after the film, hanging out. I think I dated for a little while a friend of his. Oh. And, and um, they're just, you know, they were just wonderful people. I didn't have that experience with Terry, you know, it was just all work. And 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 that is a treasured relationship mm. when you just have, go to work and you did your work. You know, I think we were a, we were well cast in that way. I mean, I looked much. He looked way more like my biological father than my mother. I mean, I'm five foot four. I was raven haired. You know, I've lightened my hair since because of when the gray comes in (laughs) at my age. But um, at the time, you know, I mean, my hair was very dark. I had black hair. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) so I looked way more like Terry than I did. Shelley, and then they uh, just to piggyback on that. I know I'm going all over the place. Same thing with Shelley. I I can't think of the actress's name, and I think they had an Shelley. I Hack? know they had an out to make Foster. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay, that would part make sense. Two. I think they also had an offer out to. Oh God, please forgive me. Yeah, for but Meg ended name. up in in part two, didn't she? She was yeah. in part okay. two. Um, who is the actress that was in um, The Dead Zone? Uh, Brooke. Oh, yes, Brooke Adams. Yes, yeah. Brooke Adams, I think. And she, when I, again, is it true? Was it an idea? Or did they really have that offer out? And was it really a consideration? You know, I think it was, but I can't say with all certainty, because I wasn't the producer, but I had heard that. And you know, that's who, in my heart, when I heard Brooke Adams, I was like, oh, my God, Brooke Adams. Oh, my God, it's my Brooke Adams' daughter. <laughs> I can enthralled because I loved her. Right. There's just something about her I just adored, you know. And um, so, yeah, there you have it. So yeah. when, when, um, when you say that offers were out to so many, quote, unquote, name actors, yeah. um, that struck me because... This this was the second time I'd watched it in God knows how many years, and I didn't realize or I didn't remember how good a film it was and how strong the script was. Mm-hmm. So to me, that kind of speaks to just how good the script was that the producers felt. Well, we can actually get some of these bigger names. So what what did you feel when when you read the script? I mean, it it's marketed like a you know it's another slasher picture, only it happens to be a you know a stepfather, but it's uh. To me, I felt that um, it, it was a condemnation of of the uh, conservative values that were of the Reagan era, and it, it said so much about the '80s in general 
uh, and the uh, the breakup of the, of the nuclear family and all that. Did you read any of that into this? Did you feel it when you're reading the script? It's like, well, okay, it's another slasher movie and it's got a couple of good lines, or did you see the potential of what the film could become? I absolutely saw the potential just because in reading it, you know, I, I really, I have to say in this case, a lot of times I have a lot of words for things. And in this case, I don't have a lot of words. It was just an intuitive sense about like, this is, this is interesting. And I, I have the chills right now <laughs> when I have this in my head, which I'm about to say to you, when I read Stephanie, you know, my personal life is nothing like hers. Nothing, you know. She's nothing like me, seemingly. But I just, I really, I I loved her. There, like when I read the script, I was like, I can do this. This this could be mine. I could be the one to get to play her. Because I got her. I got her. But what I mostly got was how much she fascinated me and how much I wanted to get to know her. Mm. It was like if I had a, could it pick, you know, when you go and you find in life and you pick your friends, I'd be like in high school, oh, that girl's interesting. Now mm. that's a girl I like to get to know because she was thoughtful. You know, remember at that time when you're reading scripts and I, I touched on this in the, in the, podcast that we did with Phantom of the Opera about the roles for women. Yeah. Well, that was bad enough for roles for teenage girls. Oh, God. I'm, you know, I mean, every horror movie, the girl's in the shower. Right. Oh, I went to the shower in this movie. Yeah, and, and actually, I, 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 you know, again, I'm sorry if I'm monopolizing, but I, I did want to bring up that scene. Um, yeah. That scene made me more uncomfortable. I mean, obviously, when I was younger and I saw it, you know, it was... I looked at it differently, but, um, but I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this is a, this character is, is underage high school. and yeah. even though you, you were of age, it was obviously a gratuitous shot. Um, it, it wasn't necessary to be shot the way it was. How did you feel when that, when that scene was being shot? Did you feel like, well, this is the part of these films where I have to do this thing? Or was it like, did you have any, uh, you know, adverse reactions to do i have to do this shot i have thoughts about it and you know in going back to the previous question and that question i can answer them both at the same time fantastic <laughs> and the answer is in joe rubin the director and i'll get to that in a second relationship to the shower scene for the script the script was wonder. I love the script. Now I must say, my original script and the final shooting script, I I can't tell you how many changes were made. Hmm. There were a lot. The essence was the same, but I really think Joe Rubin's hand in it for driving and the actual storytelling navigated all the script changes which eventually made it all that much better just the script before mm -hmm. anything shot now he was an extraordinarily maybe perhaps the most that of anybody i've ever worked with the most thoughtful director this man really thought things out he was a smart man <laughs> and he really considered things like he you could 
hear him daydreaming in his mind with wonderment, not daydreaming in a, in, in a silly way, you know, which is wonderful unto itself, but daydream in such a thoughtful way, like who are these people and why would they and blah, 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 blah. And what would it look like? And blah, blah. He had all that motion constantly going on inside. And when I think when he, because we talked about a few times at the time, when he would go finish the day, his work just was be starting when the day finished. Mm. He was already starting the next day. He was already in that mode. When I brought up the shower scene to him and said, why does this need to be here? Here, Oh, I spoke up. <laughs> oh, good. Yes. good. Here we go. That's what I, this is what I wanted to get to. I spoke up, but he, he, he honored my thoughts. You know, if I felt in situations where my thoughts weren't honored, I behaved accordingly as a good Catholic girl. And <laughs> another, up. oh God, another recovering Catholic. <laughs> And shut up. But um, in this case, I felt my thoughts were welcome. They asked me what I thought. And so um, I did go to Joe and I said, why does this need to be here? I mean, it's not, you know, it's in all the other horror movies. And this isn't a horror movie. I never, the script never read like a horror movie. No, right. no. nor does, the, in many ways, nor does the movie. Right. So that's what yeah. took me out. It's like, well, this felt like the scene that they drop in at that's put at this part of the film. Well, right. So that's that was my thing. You know, like it's almost like sometimes and I'm talking about more in this way when there was some real violence that was shown in the movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't read that in the script. Mm. I didn't read so much. It happened, but it didn't feel like it went on the way right. it did when it was shot. Um, I would have liked even to see that a little bit less, but that's, you know, that could just be my taste. But um, when it came to the shower, this is what Joe told me. He said, I don't want a gratuitous scene. I don't want that. I said, well, well, then why does she have to be naked? And he said, because he's downstairs. He's got that knife. The audience knows that. He wanted her to be as vulnerable as possible. Mm. Having her with nothing bare, having her bare would make the audience go, oh my God, you know, the doors closed. Mm. She's not, she's going to be blindsided. And of course it was a trick because he doesn't go. She's out dressed, drying her hair. When he finally is there, you know, whatever, whatever he says, hi, pumpkin or mm-hmm. something. But so, but it, I think it, the design was to lead the audience to, you know, that, that he's going to come in and she's going to be in the shower. That was the idea of it, to make her as vulnerable as possible. That makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Plus, I had already agreed in my contract. You know, I love this scene, you know, oh, what is the film with Julia Roberts? Pretty Woman. Oh, uh, Notting Hill. Notting Hill. Yeah, where they talk about the the, the clause. Oh, I used to know the line, too, because it's on in my house 20 times a day. (laughs) But but you can't show that. And that when I when they did that, 
wrote that in that script and I saw it, I went, oh my God, <laughs> it, that's exactly the way it was. Right. You know, whenever you did anything where they had to show anything, if it was going to be you, if you agreed to it, it was like no more than point whatever of a second or it would pass along the nipple or the... I mean, I'm not right. literally saying that was the language. Yeah, right. But it was it was very much like that scene, sure. Less than a second. They were under contract for how much wow. and where and exactly like that. Okay. It's interesting, but, though, because at least they did... Terry's naked in the beginning, too, in the mm -hmm. shower. Yeah. He's fully naked. Yeah. So I feel like there's at least a balance of... It's not just you that like, I think that slightly helps. That's why I wasn't as uncomfortable about it. I'm like, okay, they're just, you know, nudity is nudity. It's not always inherently sexual. Um, so I think like, and for him, I think that it's really effective for the opening because he really is like cleansing yeah. this identity right. and changing a new identity. So it worked. So I wasn't as uncomfortable by the time it was your turn. It was still like, oh, she's in high school. Uh, that was, that's that's where it grabbed me. It was like, you know, she she's portraying an underage character. Yeah. And so, yeah, but that, that the, the fact that there's a balance. Yeah, there's at least a balance. I felt like it didn't feel. And they, they're not allowed to. I don't think you are allowed by law. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I think at that time, if the way the laws were written were that if the person was older, they could portray. Yes. Well, yes. Oh, yeah. it's, it's still, it was still. It's still a lot to say. You, still, you yeah. can't still be felt. underage and do nudity. Right. You can't. It, it just felt, we just went yeah. through this. We did the Body Snatchers episode and Gabrielle yeah. Anwar plays an underage character, even though she was over 18 and she's also naked. And I had the same uncomfortable reaction saying that. This is still somebody we're looking at mm -hmm. as an underage. Wait, we talked about it with Terrifier too, as well. Um, right. they're not yes. That right? No, they're. I mean, tw they, 23, they 22, You know. Oh yeah, they're all they're playing all... high school students. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean that now a twenty-two-year-old by law is not allowed to portray someone underage naked. Oh, really? I think the law. Interesting. Exactly. So that's... That is interesting. Oh, or, you can't show nudity if you're portraying a minor. Hmm. I think I that's changed. Right. That's there's well, that sounds there right. we go. They solved yeah. they solved the problem. I don't have <laughs> an issue with that. They're like minimum yeah, eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. Same. If good. it's not a law, it seems like a good idea that it should be. Mm. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's a great guideline. Absolutely. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I did Those not the films know. We were discussing were were yeah. mostly, you know, from the eighties, you know, yeah. the man's world. Yeah. I'm sorry. We spent a lot of time on the shower scene, and I promise it wasn't because I'm just the weird. No, I, 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 I. That's just beside the point. And these conversations are worthwhile, don't you think? In just general about talking about it, and it's like we are evolving, right? We still have a long way to go, but we're we're getting better. We're taking two steps forward, one step back. The last couple of years, unfortunately, but. I have two questions. One. That goes back to what you were saying before, how you said that your character is nothing like you. And when I hear that, I always, I always try to ask that question, which is, what did you do to arrive at that character then? What did you use and what did you pull from to well, get to this character? I think when I say she was nothing like me, I meant that at that time my my parents my parents did divorce mm -hmm. when i was an adult 
both at that age and they're back together now. Wow. Um, but yeah, my mother calls my father her husband. They never be- <laughs> that's funny. That, that's well, that wouldn't be one podcast. Their story would be like an anthology of podcasts. <laughs> we won't go there. Uh, my my um parents were together. I was raised in a very normal type of environment three brothers i wasn't an only child so that's what i mean the the circumstance of life was i had nothing relatable to her that way i think for me where i related was and i i mentioned to you in that other one about the book i'm writing again i promise i'm not bringing it up to sell it <laughs> no please do please, do. That's, please. Yeah, of course part of why we do these things absolutely <laughs> I've been writing lately, you know, I'm rewriting the book. I'm in the rewriting stage. I really want to get it out there. And I'm as slow as molasses because I'm terrified to put myself on the line. I really am. And um, here come those tears. But (laughs) I, 16, um, you know, had a very normal life leading up to then. And then at 16 years old, which is, is Stephanie's probably 15, but um, I got one day I was driving to school and I had these terrible, overwhelming feelings that came over me and I did not know what they were. I had no idea. They, it was just like, it was like if I'm sitting here right now and a plane ca- came through, like I nothing I could do about it. I'm not asking the plane to hit me and come through the roof of the house. You know, it just happened. And it it was so out of the blue like that, like walking outside a brick hitting you on the head. Well, I didn't know for years I hit it. I didn't tell anyone because I was a normal kid, supposedly a normal kid. So I hid what was going on to me. In the meantime, I was sick to my stomach every day. I started lying to people not about regular stuff about oh i can't, oh no i'm busy that day i can't do this oh you know my car's been acting funny so i'm just going to take the surface streets i was suffering from debilitating agoraphobia hmm. oh wow i had panic disorder i did not know that's what i was experiencing oh. and being a good kid I had smoked pot when I was a little younger. It never agreed with me, so I wasn't smoking pot. But I thought, oh, God, I'm having flashbacks. Oh, <laughs> that's so I mean, I was so that's naive. So I was so naive. And so I didn't want to tell anybody because I thought I'd get in trouble because oh. I smoked pot before. And so I suffered in silence. And I think. That that part of me is what related to her. That there's no one to talk to and no one would believe you. Who's going to believe me? My friends were cheerleaders and blah, 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 da, da, da. I'm going to talk to them about what I was going through with agoraphobia and panic disorder at my all-girls high school. Well, and especially at that time, oh, like yeah. mental health is much more acceptable to openly speak about now. But then, 
I no, can't even imagine how terrifying the concept of you trying to tell someone would be. We've we've talked about this before. You oh know, my the, god! The, uh, you know, being a victim of those times myself. You know, I and and you know, mental illness does not run in my family. It gallops. <laughs> um, so, so there were a lot of things that didn't really come up until much later. Until much life. later. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I joke that I'm I've I'm spent I've spent the last twenty years trying to fight off forty years of of bad conditioning. Um, yeah, because we didn't have that information, and you know, thankfully, we're at a stage now in this st- part of our lives where we at least have access to that information. We can share that information, and we can get help. We, we can get help. Yeah. So that's that, that's a huge thing to admit to. Yeah. That that it's very interesting. Well, my whole entire book is about self worth. It's a journey of self worth. And and that road on so, so many things that people don't you know don't know about and people oh my god you God you started movies in the eighties and oh y'all you were with this one and oh y'all they were your boyfriend what was that like that means nothing all of that right. nothing right. yeah you know like who are you as a human being and I thought well you know I have something to say because. Y- you're you have that life and you're starring in movies and you're traveling and you know your boyfriend's brad pitt and then your boyfriend's keanu reeves or whatever the order is you know you know no matter where you go there you are yeah this and is... it's like you're suffering and the thing is what you said about mental illness in part of the problem with agoraphobia and the panic disorder was that People, my mainly when it did come out, my family and stuff, they made me feel that I was having a mental. Yep. They felt it was mental illness, and the truth of the matter is, I ended up finally getting help in my. I tried to get help for years and years and years and years, and I just did my best. And I'm a I'm a soldier. Yeah. So I was a white knuckler, mm-hmm. and I was. I'm not, I'm still going to do all the things I can't do or that I, and I panicked through them. But um, I finally got in through my ex-sister-in-law because she was a doctor at UCLA into the head psychiatrist who runs the anxiety disorders program. Oh, wow. And he, instead of like therapy, he like literally educated me with a screen and and taught That's me great. what was going on biologically in my brain and and what had then how those chemicals how they would go into my body and I learned that it wasn't my fault see if it wasn't it was there's nothing my, wrong with it, it's it, you can't help having a heart condition or bad eyesight exactly or, yeah I was having biological interruption <laughs> yeah. and once I understood that that was the beginning you know of learning how to deal with it and you know I will never not be a girlphobic because once you I that's my biological wiring but does it interfere the way it did back then absolutely not can it interfere Absolutely. But I, I, I'm going to be 60 next month. So I have so many more tools, 
but oh, you're sweet. But I to almost to a point where it doesn't seem like I have it, but I do. It comes out at key times, like long bridges. Well, but you know, there are things at times where it's going to come out, and I either don't do those things, which I don't like when I feel the need to avoid, mm. or um, I find a way. I ready myself. I get ready and soldier up, you know, and somehow. But going back to Stephanie, I think if I had to analyze it, that that was probably the unconscious connection because. Hmm. She couldn't be make her world. Oh, let me be a cheerleader or try out for the volleyball team. She had much bigger fish to fry. Yeah. yeah. Stuff as, as kind of nonsense when there's something that you're suffering with and that no one will hear you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only person person that finally heard her. I mean, her best friend didn't hear her. Nope. Nobody heard her. Two people heard her, the stepfather (laughs) and her doctor. Yes. The relationship with her doctor was really, really, really beautiful. That was was pretty evolved for the time, too. Yeah. Yeah, particularly because as you were talking before, there was something I was going to touch on. And and, and what you just said, too, yeah, that it was pretty progressive in terms of dealing with mental health at that time Mm -hmm. through this doctor. Because up until relatively recently... The, the state of mental health being addressing mental health wasn't incredibly different from physical health during, say, the Civil War. Like, if you got a cut or you got shot in the leg, the way to treat that was to essentially cut your leg off mm. versus figure out a way to keep that leg. And yeah. and it's and that's only relatively in our lifetimes, relatively recently, that that's come about to to be really sort of addressed as an issue that can be not necessarily solvable, but 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 addressed and and seen, having the person seen, treated, treated. Yeah. Like how do you learn yeah. to live with it and not just shut it away or lock it up or pretend it doesn't right. exist? How do you learn to live and cope or hi- and yeah, not hide with it? it? Yeah. And I'd have to you hide know, it. It's so interesting because um, in writing my book and, you know, it's like some of the bigger subjects I avoided writing. There's like, okay, I'll get to that when I get to that. And so I got to it. And one of them was the agoraphobia a lot because of the stigma. You know, it's like, it's not, it's kind of hard writing it. And it will be interesting to see if it gets, publish i hope it will i think it will but then the the terror and like well what are people going to think and you know most of the reason you want to put these things out is because you know the social media is very people can be very cruel yes really no experience (laughs) but now i forget what you you just said what um oh gosh about cutting off the leg. Yeah, it's it's the equivalent to that time in in medical uh, treatment, you Just, know. Yeah. Uh, up, up until relatively yeah. recently, you know, that's oh, sort that, of how we. They, yeah. Exactly. So back then, when I first started looking for help, I was in, at nineteen, and I, I right away immediately started all the time going down to the bookstores and trying to figure it out, like what was wrong with me, what was going on. And I I 
you know, my brother Todd, he likes to tease me because I always talk. I got very spiritual, not in a religious sense. Right. But like there, because when you have something like that, it makes you think about the meaning of life. Mm-hmm. Yes. He would then tease me about the third eye. And- <laughs> <laughs> but there really was no help back then. I did go to... Um, so I found a group that dealt with agoraphobia, but they were really just on the very edge. You know, there was much more being done about it in the UK. Right. Mm. But, did they actually meet um, in a group or did they all just call from a group no, call? They all called from their phones. Did they all just call from their phones in their homes? Like, how did they actually get out of the house? They like these crazy things, like one of the exercises we had to do. And it was exactly like that going out. We, you know, because I would get terrible panic attacks even at the grocery store and standing in line. That was a nightmare. And um, it seems so weird to say it now because that doesn't happen now. One of the exercises they did was, you know, they made us go to the grocery store and put one grape in the bag. Wow. And then stand in the most crowded line. Oh, God, wait. that's freaking me out. Why? <sighs> One great. Oh, my gosh. Wow. One of the exercises to confront, because really the only way to get over it is to confront it. Right. Yeah. And, but you have to confront it with the right tools. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but anyway, when I looked, when I was doing some research on after I wrote it and I was wanted to go back and fill in some of the holes, I started doing research and I was shocked how much help there is out there for it now. Yeah. And I, I had all these emotions, you know, I'm not a jealous person, but I almost felt jealous, like robbed of that. Because yeah. how different, what would my life look like had there been that available help because I was looking for it back then yeah. and I had my agent was so good and she knew what was going on with me and she was you know had my back she had my back and that was fantastic so I did all of my movies and traveled the world wow. and did all of that in my years of suffering through wow. agoraphobia And I made it hard for some producers. I remember I did this film once called The Curse 2, The Bite. And I called them from the airport and said, I'm sorry, I I can't come. I can't get on the plane. Oh, 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 my gosh. I did. I got on it. Not that plane, but like I think the next day or something. I just, because I had, oh, my God, the fear of flying. But it wasn't flying. I had agoraphobia. I was afraid, you know, that feeling, sense of feeling out of control. But anyway, so now there is like a ton of help. But I think, you know, I think that that's why in a sociological way, I mean, that perhaps today there is so much um, attention for uh, groups of people that have felt that they have no voice. Having no voice there is a lot of energy in that. 
in what that does to a person mm-hmm. inside. Yeah. Not feeling seen it's or heard. No voice, yeah. That you're not seen or heard. Exactly. I mean, that's you, you said it so simply, but so beautifully, because the way you said it was <laughs> so lilting and and empathetic to the pain of people that aren't seen or heard. And that's what Stephanie was going through. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I love the choice that Joe Rubin made because when I read the script and when I went to my costuming, I was <clears> expecting <throat> combat boots and red stuff, <laughs> black and red, and she'd be this rebel. Yeah. Because that's what the script really read. She is. You know, I was, she's I was a actually badass, surp- strong character. Right? And I was surprised that, you know, the letter jacket and the, the, the typical, I was I was like, yeah, she should be, you know, like an original goth kid. Or <laughs> but I was glad that wasn't like that because, yes, you were a rebel, but it, you didn't need to be visually stereotypical of one. Yes. You represented a, a, another part of society where there are rebels. They just don't look that way. Yeah. And, and I think that yeah. was a conscious decision on Joe Rubin's part. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a wise decision because Rebel doesn't need to look like that. And the truth of the matter yeah. is, it's like when I I was, you know, we don't know we're judgmental. We don't think we just, oh, I'm this, I'm this wonderful, loving, open person. <laughs> and then something, we walk in a life and we meet someone or some circumstance and we're challenged. We're challenged as human beings. Or, you know, maybe I'm not so open. (laughs) And I would say that now, any horror fan that's listening, don't hate me when I say this. I mean this in the most wonderful way. Uh There's a wonderful end to this. And that is, you know, that wasn't my world. my, My mom was a, you know, a very popular fashion designer for women. You know, horror type clothes, goth, that whole thing. It was like, I to me, though those people, oh, they're on drugs. Oh, they're <laughs> trouble. Oh, they're dead. Yes. Then well, I we were. First, <laughs> I went to my first show. I think it was in New Jersey or somewhere. No, it was in Ohio. My very first show. I haven't done very many conventions, but I did my first show was like in 2010 or 2011, somewhere around there. And I met all these people and all these horror fans. And I'm like, they were the exact opposite. They were dressed like that, but they were the kindest. (laughs) Yeah. Most vulnerable. I was like, they shattered shattered my preconceived ideas that I didn't even know I had yeah. really mm-hmm. I mean I'm that's the beauty of that community the horror yeah. that you Truly. know I, I you know we're fans of all kinds of genres but there's something about the horror fan community yeah that is yeah. uh it's there's there's a bonding there um among everybody mm-hmm. that it, it, it's almost like everybody did kind of have a shared experience and they've brought it out or they they see it in the horror films yeah yeah like therapy yeah do you know, did any of you ever see the movie Popcorn that I did? Yes. yes. Pop. Well, Jill, I've seen girl... every movie of yours. I, <laughs> I might as well just confess to that right now. It's He literally has a Billionaire's boy, Boys Club t-shirt on right now. <laughs> <laughs> How he got but one, I, I don't know. I but... can't, no, no. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know either. There was a Jill, I'm being very polite was... and restrained right now. So <laughs> he is he's on his best behavior. I'm on my best behavior. I was warned. Oh, and she she loved popcorn and she was very instrumental in, in getting the blue the Blu-ray of it out. And she's a lovely, sweet girl. And I forget where I was, I think in Baltimore for a screening just a, maybe four or five years ago and that I'd been invited to because they were launching popcorn merchandise. And so I went and she drove in from wherever she lived and I sat next to her at the screening. And when the Toby character, the bad guy, she had tears in her eyes falling down her face. Uh-huh. And I, I asked her, I was like, after I said, I was so struck by your reaction and she shared with me about why that moved her and it basically was her thoughts on all of horror that these people that sometimes are these bad characters or blah 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 the pain that they are in and she said that's why i love horror so much i relate to the pain and i was like again shattered Mm -hmm. she me and it was like you know it it, it, it kept it was still you know yeah. my idea completely always by the fans because yeah. of how wonderful they are my preconceived ideas that are conditioned you don't even know you're being conditioned mm-hmm. right. from a small child you know and it's constantly being eroded all those thoughts and and when she said that, it made me ever since then look at horror different, completely yeah. different. I understand why more and more why people love it so much. Yeah, it is. It's a very visceral sort of connection yeah. when when you kind of realize it, I guess, because it is. It's a very intense, just physical, almost feeling. Just. Yeah, just relating to the that shit, that's so succinct. I'm gonna use that because I get asked that all the time, yeah. all the time. But why do you like horror so much? It's so yeah. violent of all the genres for you to like so much. But that's yeah. my answer now. There's something shared that we. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like shared trauma. The reason why my wife does not like horror. Yeah. She says yeah. I don't like feeling that way. Yeah. While I'm watching a film, I want to watch. I want to escape. I want. I. I don't like this tension. I took her to Silence of the Lambs, which was you know a. a psychological thriller and halfway through it she's got her fingernails in my in my arms say you took me to a horror movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah and not everybody wants to i guess because if if that's not something you feel often it's very it's a shared experience and and essentially where we're the island of misfit toys yeah you know and 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 it just takes that one moment that that all those toys can look at and go oh that's me or this is how I've been feeling. Mm-hmm. Or there's something that's made me feel this way that everybody else around me in this audience I can see is doing the same thing. You know, and yeah. and and horror, there's something about horror about that. Plus, so many of them are vegan, which is even stranger. You would you know what I mean? Like almost every horror person I know, like a hardcore, they're like vegan, which is amazing. Wrapping the up. Yeah. No, no, I, I'm actually serious. Yeah, I mean, you are. I, so many of them are. Now are I'm thinking about it too, and I'm like, huh. Yeah, when you look at guys like Rob Zombie and Joe Dante yeah. and David Cronenberg, they're all vegans. It's so funny. 
You know, it's it's amazing. Oh wow! Oh, yeah. I mean, so, clearly yeah. some of them aren't, but of still, course, but, you know. Um, but those aren't the ones we talk about. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So well, you know, it's like who's the guy from Kiss that plays guitar? Uh, Ace Frehley. Well, no, um, Paul Stanley. Yeah, Paul Stanley. Yeah. And when my 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 sons are twenty five and twenty eight now, but his kid went to school we at the same time at the same grade school and you know he would come in and he would uh have he he was the most like straight kind of and i, I mean that in a sexual way right right, right just straight, straight laced. Laced. yeah i just meant that he came to school every day and he was the head of our te- uh, parent association. He wore suit and tie, group like you would never no, in would... five million years think that, you know. I love Although it. how I, funny I, would it be for him to go to PTA meetings dressed in his kiss outfit <laughs> and and make no reference to it whatsoever? Just you know, there, yeah, start just talking that, yeah. about you know the 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 yeah, like lunch the bake, money like and, the bake sale and, yeah yeah like I, yeah I think we don't have enough cookies ready for the bake sale yet. Yep. He could have dressed like in jeans and a t-shirt and a sweatshirt you know yeah. zip up like you have on. <laughs> right. But no, he was impeccable. Wow, that's amazing. Cool. Every event, but point. Unassuming, you know, you never like it. Life is so beautiful. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Well, I can't wait to read this book now because I think I need to. Like, no pressure, but you have so. I really, really want to read this. Yes. Yes. Do you have a title for it yet? I do. Now, I care to share or do you need to kind of keep that under wraps? No, I. No, 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 I'll share it with you. But I want to tell you, I just have to say one thing about it. Because the other thing that has changed, although I've always been a white person, you know, technically I'm Caucasian, I guess. And, um, but um, in 2008, I started getting these white spots on me. And it turned out that um, it, I was, I had vitiligo. It was the beginning of my having vitiligo. Oh, wow. I am one of those rare vitiligo people that, because most people, you know, they have vitiligo because you see their spots where they depigmatize. I'm one of the rare ones where I've completely depigmatized. It just kept going. It was like the body never figured out that it was attacking itself. Wow. Completely repigmatized, but I went through and this was after I divorced and then and I was with someone for five years after I divorced and he dropped out of heart attack at 48. Oh, my God. Sorry. Years I got my vitiligo. And so I thought at that time if I should go back to work, but I got my vitiligo and got to experience a different side of life, you know, which was a judgment of people. Because when I, in my dark skin, which in the summer would get quite dark, and then my white skin, and the way I looked, and my hands were all spotted, my arms, everywhere I was spotted. Wow. You know, there I was in Sherman Oaks, shopping in Gelson's, which I did pretty much every day. 
I lived in Sherman Oaks and twice I had the experience of mothers pulling their children oh my away. God. Close, like they might get it. Oh my God. Could feel people looking at me. Not everyone. It doesn't take you don't need a lot of people mm. to those experiences. Most people were very kind, but I felt ugly. I felt like I wanted to hide. And so I really thought a lot about that and what it did to me. And it brought me back to my childhood because when I was a, I have autoimmune issues. And you know, the, they're saying that uh, these issues were probably totally related to why I have the agoraphobia. Mm -hmm. But as a child, you know, here I go on, you know, starring in movies, blah, blah, blah. But the the real Jill Sholin, you know, was a little girl that wasn't seen. And I ha I lost all my hair. I had no hair. Oh, wow. I had no eyelashes, no eyebrows. I had alopecia as oh, a child. Oh, my God. In grade school. So it was like, you know, you deal with that. You get past it. Your life becomes like this. A, a kind of romantic life, right? Traveling, movies, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, you go through divorce and then the boyfriend that was for five years that died. And then I got the vitiligo and I got to experience this other side of the world, how people look at people that aren't pr pretty or, you know, the problematic something. This right. was I don't know the right word, but I do know I felt like, you know, it was not good. Just let me say that internally. It was a, like a little, my own little horror movie in my life. Finding a way to navigate that. Having been hired for acting and prettiness. And now here people are pulling, you know, get away from yeah. her. Ugh. That lady, you know, that looks so funny. <sighs> You know, and so the name of the book is The Skin I Live In, oh. A Journey Self-Worth. Hmm. That's excellent. Oh, my God. Well, we need to, we need to get this book. Yeah. We need to get this damn <laughs> yeah. book. So, so get off the phone and finish the damn book. <laughs> but uh, honestly, thank, thank you for sharing that with Truly, us. Truly, I mean, thank you. Yeah. I, I, You're I, being so open and vulnerable. Yeah. It's really moving <laughs> it's also important to get the message out because it, again gen z as we know it this is the uh uh generation that's growing up with anxiety as 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 part of their toolkit mm. and um for those of us who've suffered and couldn't talk about it and didn't have the resources uh important for us to share our experiences how we dealt with it how we didn't deal with it correctly mm. or what we didn't know I, I think it's it's important to share that message with with those folks, and also to connect with people like ourselves, who have not had the benefit of talking to right. to other people. So this is you know again I'm sorry I'm monopolizing things, yeah. but you know the crazy people yeah. connect. You know, yeah. so. well that's it because one of the things the three of us bond over isn't exactly yeah. shared experiences, but it's a lot of the same emotions yeah. attached to those attached to those yeah. different things. And and, yeah. and we definitely all identify with that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of, and, and that, okay, like, like 
you know, like right now. And like I said, we had we had done some episodes about bullying and abuse and uh, and revenge and things like that. And and we all shared a similar emotion about all those things. Although the three of us had vastly different different experiences. Yeah. And yeah. I think that today's like another day like that. You know, I mean, I none of us here could understand what you were going through. Ever. But we absolutely understand the feeling that you were going through. Would never understand, we, we all but, did the same but thing. can empathize. Yeah. 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 You know, not feeling understood, not being seen, not being heard. And I think this theme really runs in the horror genre. Yeah. Whether it's the bully or whether it's the crazy dad or whether it's the, what are some of those other themes you said you've been tackling in your podcast? Uh, uh, revenge yeah. or, yeah. Revenge. It's like, you know, it's like people wanting a voice. Mm -hmm. Wanting to be noticed. <laughs> yeah. No, it really is. It's, it's... Are we all depressed now? No. <laughs> no, I'm just moved. I'm yeah. just so moved. I do feel like it's the end of a 12-step meeting, though. I think we need to hold hands and do the Our Father. <laughs> No, no, not no, at all. You kidding? This is, this is, yeah. this is I, I'm, I'm almost sad we have to do more podcast stuff. It's like I just want to hang. <laughs> yeah. just, I just want us all to hang out for hours. It, it's, it's, it's hearkening back to the we never could have planned this. Yeah, like to, you know, a good director, like going in, we're prepared, but right. we never. Could, yeah, we have like like is, questions, but like no, never this is so much more. Ever, this is so beautiful. so much more this deeper is and, so and beautiful. Something and, we could and, not have anticipated. And you guys fought me so hard when I said we should have Jill Sholin on as a guest. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't get these kids. You are such an ass. <laughs> such an ass. Oh. This was a great, this is, this is really an amazing experience. I mean, outside, whether or not you were a guest as, uh, on the horror podcast, it was just really awesome to talk to another soul. Oh. And that's the perfect way of saying it, another soul. Soul, yeah, yeah truly. It's a perfect way of saying it. Thank you. I mean, really, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we 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 genuinely feel honored for you. Uh, yes, being on our show. Honored yeah. is and the even just word. even just conversing with you us. You should get out to more horror conventions. We know a couple. So. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to tell them to invite me. I feel like no one wants to invite me. I feel like I'm too small fry. No, no. I, I I can I will make two phone calls this week. In fact, <laughs> truly, no. I'll put in a good word for you. I, I know I know a guy. <laughs> he knows the guy. He knows the guy. <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> well Jill I, I want to thank you for you horror fans out there I hope we answered all of your stepfather questions <laughs> was she the stepfather? <laughs> oh she was yeah she was the stepfather oh that's right yeah, we forgot about that <sighs> uh, but for everybody else I hope you had this, the, the same level of oh. uh astral projection that we had listening yeah, to Jill um, well because uh, honestly this was such a, a fantastic day for us and we can't thank you enough for being on the show and you know please come back anytime you anytime. want we, we would love to have you when on when that book is published it's yeah. time for us to when get that name out there yeah. and sell a you couple know. of copies for you yeah we'll, we'll I think next season we'll even come up with a no, popcorn episode to, just to bring you back. I, I was going to yeah. say the same thing. We need to do a cutting class episode. Yeah, we need, a, a, we need popcorn to do a popcorn episode, episode. Just, just, just to bring, to bring you, bring back. you yeah. back. 
because it, this is this was just so was uh, amazing for us. Truly, honestly, and and um, thank thank you for being so generous with your time, also, because I, I think we just said, oh, we'll do it like we'll have you like, like 15, 15, 20 minutes. minutes. 15, 15 minutes, 10, set, 10 minute break, and, then 15, and, and this so has been so great. This like amazing. this is the whole show. It's this been is like two we days don't. I don't think and, we have anything know. else to do on on the stepfather. Agreed. Beer, other than just going, oh, what was your weekend like? Oh, it was great. Let's talk to Jill Shulman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it was it was just so it was so great and oh. so deep and so wonderful. So, oh. um, so now can I admit the fact that I've had a crush on her? You for the did last already. You years? did already last episode. I did. Oh, I wasn't sure if I was during, during the okay. Phantom. The fit. I was in the Phantom Menace. The Phantom of the Opera. So so I could do this now then. <laughs> He's gonna fanboy. There you so, go. And I was worried I was going to fangirl. Okay. You yes. need to get that out of my system. You got system. it. You got right. it. I you're have a, good, a tattoo. You're a good sport. And you out fangirled me. That's, that's, yeah, really. Yeah, really. I, uh, <laughs> so Jill. it has an actual tattoo from the movie, and somehow you out fangirled her. <laughs> Jill, you're a good sport. Thank you, you very are. much. You are. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, um, Do you want any, any closing... Like, yeah, want to yeah. promote anything? Where can we find you? Anything well, you yes. want to wrap up with? Are you still single? He's adorable. He's wonderful. Great. I like to my friends and say, he's a hunk. Good, <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. We, we truly wish you the best in everything, Jill. Uh, this is, you, you, this was, this was an amazing um, experience. This was beautiful. Truly. All, all joking aside, this was great. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this was uh, Jill Sholin uh, on our show. You. Thank you so much. The Stabby Road podcast was created by Joe Senna, hosted by Rob Graydon, Sonia Harcourt, and Joe Senna. Recording technicians Josh Graydon and Eric Todd. The Stabby Road podcast is a production of Fourth Castle. All rights reserved. See you next week.